Dark Tides is a show made for an adult audience. Featuring scenes of graphic or implied violence, mature themes, horror, gore, and intense scenes. Viewer discretion is advised. For full content warnings on each episode of this coming arc, check the episode's description. The town of Slate Ridge, on the west coast, is a small working town, home to 300 people in its heyday. The town once provided the workers of the small Slate Ridge copper and coal mines, then for the logging camps. But as these dried up and the town existed only to supply the construction of the Slate Ridge Dam and the hydro plant that followed, now the town is shriveled up and dying. The work has dried up and the luck too. There is still a struggling timber industry in the town, but over the last 30 years, the pine forests that covers the mountains have begun to die. Now they're just an endless sea of grey trunks, rotting needles and bare branches. They call it the dead pines. It's through these dead pines, on a lonely winding pass, a convoy of two nondescript SUVs and a van drive. The expedited investigation and enforcement divisions of the Tear Society in the back of the first SUV, Team Wormwood sit facing each other across the bench seats as Heath begins to brief them. All right, you two. Slade Ridge is small. It's barely on the map. It has a population of around 100. No one's really taken the time to actually work out proper demographic. It's, a, it's mostly a small town. It's mostly relied on its power from a, a nearby dam. We've got a tier contact, a man named Darnell Woodruff. He's tracked a pretty unsavory group, a predator group. We're not exactly sure what, but they've been moving in the area. Our goal is to go into there and move them along, and if that fails, to contain or exterminate them as necessary. Darnell has more specifics. Do we have a meet with him? Yep, we're meeting him with him at a small diner nearby. Okay. He's going to lean forward and point it to the both of you. Now, we've dealt with a lot of things. We've dealt with a lot of things. But we've never dealt with packs. That's true. Of any type of predator, packs are dangerous, you two. I want you to understand that. Understood. You never go anywhere alone. All right. He's got to lean back. Uh, Alistair, as soon as Heath's attention is off the two of you, She's going to nudge you uh, with her arm and kind of, like, show you her phone, like, in her palm to keep uh, Heath from seeing it. She's showing you photos of her new cat. <laughs> Alistair looks at her um, to kind of give her the message that, hey, we really shouldn't be be doing this right now. Like, this is a big deal. And then he looks at her at the, the cat again and he's like, kind of nods and smiles yeah she just like she like waggles her eyebrows at you and then like swipes and keeps swiping through more and more photos <laughs> of the cat 
Alistair's gonna like put his hand on her and like push her hand away a little bit. Like, all right, we've got work to do. Come on, uh, Heath. How how long has this been a problem? Do we know any kind of time frame here? How long this Darnell's been tracking these creatures? Uh, well, I uh, I got the briefing last night, so I haven't had much time to look into it. We'll be getting most of our information from Darnell. So, okay. Anyway, I think uh, I think Puck was trying to talk to you, and he's going to turn to his phone as his phone is going off again. This time with Charlotte calling again. He answers it and moves to uh, like facing the window and is muttering. Alistair pulls out his phone and shows her some pictures of Nara. Mm. He's a bit chubby. Yeah, yeah, she's a bit chubby. You sound yeah. nervous. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Look, I know he's uh, I, a little bit rattled, but I think that's because they're threatening to like put him in early retirement. <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, uh, look, I know I'm. I know that work is serious. Work is always serious. But I mean, hey, we're pretty capable. I've seen the stuff yeah. that we've done. You've seen the stuff that we've done. And we actually have a van full of backup this time. I know, right? That's crazy. Have you seen some van. of the stuff they were packing into that van? That yeah, kind of I equipment. Wish, I wish we had that a couple of years ago. Man. Yeah. Anyway, I think yeah. you can lighten up. Look, you're you're supposed to be... I mean, look, you're not on the bench, but you're in an advisory strategic capacity of stay behind me while I shoot things. Which is where you're supposed yeah. to be. So really, mm. you shouldn't be that tense. I'm supposed to be the meat shield here. Yeah, you're right. That makes me feel so much better. Thanks. He like gives her a little, a little elbow, like in a friendly way. He's like, "Yeah, no, it's it's fine. I just, <sighs> Alistair, look at it's me. Mo- it's mo- it's more the fact that I, what? No, no. I'm say, fine. F- finish saying what you were saying, and then I'll do my what? thing. Okay. Uh, Forget it, it's fine. No, 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 no. You were expressing something. I know that that's rare for you. Go ahead. Yeah. um, Anyway. um, I I don't know. It's just, it's more the fact that I, I... I don't know if I'm an asset or a liability. Mm. Like... Like, I have a tank gun in my arm, right? Woo, isn't that cool? But... I don't want to get someone hurt but I also don't want to be stuck behind a screen if this thing that I can do apparently is I don't know you're right it's not it's not going to be a big enough deal for me to worry about it's I think it's just I think Look. the gun just shook me a little bit the other day and um, that's all anyway that's what we, do you think I was going to do a whole thing of like, look at me, Alistair, look at me, I'm being serious. I am scarier than anything out there in those woods. Be afraid oh, of me. Oh, come on, was... you are not. Are you joking? Do you want to see my scary I'm face, Alistair? I've seen your scary face. My scary face. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, because I... Talking. Anyway, real, real talk again for just half a sec. It's okay to feel like you're out of your depth. The whole upper hierarchy of the organization is in a bit of a spin because they don't know what to do with you right now 
And it's scary, but you're a good agent. I don't know what to do with me either. Yeah, well, you're a good agent. You've got natural skills. You've got your training. Yes, that gun is a bit freaky. Yes, you don't know what it can do, but you know it can do a heck of a lot of damage. So if you just point that thing in the right direction, we'll figure this out. It's, you know, I'm here. Heath's here most of the time. Some of the time. Point is, I'm here. He's he's always physically here. Yeah. He does that thing Alistair where he looks stares over as he like angles distance. himself away a little bit more. Yeah. He's going to get off the phone now. I don't I just don't really want to get him in trouble again. And you see him like grit his teeth and squeeze his phone in his hand till the already cracked screen just cracks a little bit more. You. What's the haps, old man? That was Give just the spiel. Park. Just uh He is old. <laughs> I mean, you're not, but you're going grey. I am. That's true. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> I don't. It looks good. Huh. Just shave that. Like that's it. what I do. Uh, that was that was Charlotte again. Uh, spinning her usual threats about, yep, of course, taking away my team. What does she want us to not mess up this time? No, no. Just if you two haven't noticed, the round table is a bit of a. I've noticed. Yeah. There's a lot of very power hungry people. Wanting as much power as they can get, and this is an opportunity to grab power. Charlotte messed up. Hmm. I kind of feel a bit guilty now. Your convoy is painfully conspicuous as it rolls into the silent town you're climbing a steep hill uh, and everywhere is pretty densely forested but here and there you're passing derelict houses fallen fences rotting cars the occasional burnt out building or collapsed roof as you enter town proper and you see the main street there's a little more life here the small town has a single general store DJ Phillips General Store, to be exact. There's a pub and hotel combined called the Surveyor's Lodge. And towards the end of town, shining like a bright yellow beacon, you can see a diner called Happy Stacks. It's here that you see uh, a couple of faces peering out from windows. As you as you pass people on the sidewalk, you see a dog tied up outside a shop. You see a man on the corner smoking, but... It seems like a ghost town. Your convoy pulls into that Happy Stacks near-empty parking lot. As you climb out, you notice the chill in the air. Your breath fogs just a little. Clouds hang low and threaten rain. Maybe snow. It's hard to tell, honestly. You do know it's cold. Uh, Heath pulls open the door of the car and steps out. As he steps out, it's clear he isn't wearing his normal Wicklepinkers. He's wearing a type of Wicklepinker that goes up to, like, mid shin type of height so much more for like protecting that area and then from there up to his knee he's wearing it's quite difficult to see because he's wearing black on black but it's a layer of a type of shin guard then goes into a knee guard and we've never seen this before because he's never meant to actually have been in combat any of the times he was in combat he was meant to be with the stuff in the fur in Bruges it was like a, a rescuing a person type of thing but this is what he normally wears for when using his vertigo powers and using his sliding on the ground and all that type of stuff is to protect that area because otherwise his pants just get completely torn to shreds down there 
And his skin. And his skin as well. Um, So he's wearing uh, those, and he's wearing completely jet black pants. He's wearing, again, that silky shirt. But you can tell underneath it he's wearing some other layer. Not sure if it's like for thermals or protection or anything like that. And he's wearing something that's quite hard underneath his chest as well. Uh, He's also wearing uh, not his normal uh, red jacket. He's wearing a long, large, thick black one with a large collar and goes down to about just lower than knee type of length. It's a great coat, basically. And around his arms, it's quite, it's bulging in areas a little bit. So there's something underneath those areas. But other than that, it's kind of his general look. Mm-hmm. Alistair's wearing, uh, you know, black boots, same as always. His normal boots are pretty practical, so he's wearing those. Um, he's wearing uh, fairly tightly fitting, chunky uh, pants that yeah, clearly look like they have some kind of padding or armor or something. It's kind of hard to tell, um, but they look like very tightly wrapped padding. Um, and he's wearing, a, again, like a shirt with... Um, it's also clearly made out of the same material. Um, whether that's padding or body armor, it's hard to tell. It's very, again, very tightly wrapped around his limbs and around his body and it also has a few um straps of course and pockets and things on the front um and then he's wearing very very similar to heath a very long black jacket with a big collar yeah like clearly has some equipment and stuff in his pockets and he also has a black backpack that he's bringing along as well mm-hmm. puck is wearing much her normal outfit uh curb stomping jack boots that uh, reach up very high her jeans are no longer torn it's too cold for that uh, she's wearing a heavier jeans Kevlar jeans in fact for motorbike riders uh, with a very large ostentatious almost belt buckle she is wearing a thermal I guess you'd call it like a turtleneck almost uh, a thermal turtleneck and her normal bikers jacket which, as Alistair and Heath would know, is actually quite well lined and insulated inside for, for warmth. She's also wearing uh, a blue beanie on her head, just like a, a heavy wool knitted one, which she takes off when she gets inside. And inside her pockets, she is keeping those little, I don't know what they're called, they're like a, a chemical warm pack that you kind of crack and break and mix together and you keep them in your hands to keep them warm on cold days she has those in her pockets alrighty man uh, I I thought Port Staples was out of the way this is this is the sticks yeah true to the bone ghost town alrighty he's going to start marching into the (laughs) diner Happy Stacks is a pretty typical American-style highway diner, but instead of red and white, it's all in yellow and white. The The counter is sort of a long L shape with uh, bar stools in front of it. There are yellow booths in vinyl and Formica tabletops. As you walk in, you can see that there is only one woman serving here. She's Mm, a bit past middle age she's got blonde hair in sort of dreadlocks tied back with a scarf a very big welcoming smile uh, she gestures for you to sit down wherever you like uh, is there anyone else sitting in here 
Uh, yeah, there are a few people milling around. It seems to be the only restaurant in town, seemingly, except for possibly the pub. Uh, but your eye is caught pretty quickly by a small man sitting in a booth alone. He is bedraggled and shabby. His clothing seems to be largely misfitting and old, dirty. Is he eating anything? or? Uh, he has a massive plate of all-day breakfast in front of him. Literally has every kind of breakfast food you can think of. Um, wow. Nice. He has a scruffy but tightly kept beard, uh, long hair that's sort of pulled back by necessity. His features are pretty rough and rugged. Oh, great, please. And he's going to walk away from the lady and to the, the scruffy-looking man. Yep, the lady behind the counter nods. As you slip into the booth uh, beside this scruffy man, he looks up and nods at Heath. Uh, uh, Alice, uh, at the at the front gate, he... Um, front gate? What? <laughs> At the counter, he's like, hey, uh, I'll have a bowl of wedges, thanks. And then he looks at Puck. How big are your coffee cups? And a very large coffee for my friend. Sounds and good. And then Alistair walks over. All right. Down now. My man. Yep. Hello. There you go. You don't need to do that. You don't need to ask? You don't need to do the voice thing. What? what? You do that thing, Heath, where you lower your voice or you raise it or whatever to try and sound like the person you're talking to, and it's fine. When do I do it? I was lowering it. You just it. did it. I was lowering it because we're in a, a public situation, Darnell. At this point, mm-hmm. Alistair walks over. You must be Darnell. Uh, yep, I'm Darnell. I've already picked a fight. Hi. You haven't picked a fight. It's just Heath being Heath. How many times have I told you, Heath? That's my job. You uh, must he's be he's one of mine. Yeah, I gathered. Um, so so. He he extends a hand to shake for both of you. Uh, you notice that it is also quite grubby. He's very darkly tanned, very weather worn in his face. Uh, his beard is sort of a russety, a red brown color, but with a lot of grey beginning to speckle through. Uh, his eyes are very tired with deep circles underneath them. It looks like he doesn't sleep much. When was the last time you uh, came back to headquarters, Darnell? <sighs> Nine months, maybe more. I don't like it. I prefer being out here. Mm. Anyway, I'm glad you guys are here. Looks like you brought the cavalry. He's looking out at the um, parking lot. We're about ten... <laughs> Ten. They're sort of discreetly dressed as normal people, but with the efficiency that they're moving, yeah, you, you can tell. Will notice? <laughs> One's holding like a SWAT shield. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do I do with this? Where do I put it? <laughs> yeah, as they're going through gear and beginning to case around. That's good. You're gonna you're gonna need the firepower. Listen, um, I put the call in. He checks uh, his watch. It's worn military style with the the clock face on the inside of the wrist. Ooh. Uh, but He's you can, a professional. What a gangster. But you can see it's a, a much older battered watch. It's very scratched on the face. I'd say just over 48 hours, so you guys are in good time. Listen, I don't know exactly what we're dealing with, but we are dealing with a lot of them 
and they are not good. Usual pack size or more? It's hard to tell. Here's here. Okay, he um, begins to go through a small bag that he keeps with him. It seems to be permanently like right next to him on his like almost under his arm the entire time he's extremely protective of it it's a very beaten up hiking pack but a small one uh, and he pulls out a folding map just like one you get from a highway gas station uh, he shows you it's of quite a large area and you can see that there are many lines and circles drawn uh, lots of different tracking that he's been doing on here see I was out west and I was doing the usual job, just surveying. I was trying to follow a few of our known and tagged creatures, but there was a lot of movement going on and it was spooking my normal quarry. So I decided to keep a track of them and I spooking followed them. your quarry? What spooks your quarry? Not good things, that's the point. What are you usually tracking? Well, it depends, here and there. My speciality is long-range wilderness tracking. It's kind of what I'm specced for. And I prefer to be out there than in a town, even one like this. Anyway, dribs and drabs, not packs, then that was the thing. They were traveling from the tracks solo and then maybe in twos and then fives and then tens. I don't know of any creature that does that. Look, just about everything we know of either runs in packs or it runs solo. Sometimes they'll run in pairs, in, you know, a mate pair, but not like this. And not the kind of distances that these things are covering. This isn't migration, this is with a purpose. And I'm following one pack and then I realize I'm crossing trails with something else. I'm realizing there's a second pack and they're heading in the same direction, but they're traveling separate. And that's not a good sign either. This is a convergence. And I mean, I'm not an expert in everything when it comes to tracking. And, well, prints can be a bit deceiving. We're dealing with something in the lycanthropy family, whether that's a typical werewolf or... Werewolves don't travel like that. No, they so. are very much solo. Mm. My point being, whatever we're dealing with, we're talking predatory, we're talking carnivorous, we're talking man-eaters, and we're talking unusual migratory patterns, unusual pack patterns, and they're converging on this mountain. I tracked three packs right. to this mountain range. Now, this is about the only town that's in this mountain range, and it's only because of the dam. Nothing else is built here because it's too far off the beaten track and there isn't anything worth digging out of the ground. So... I see. The reason I'm here is that we need to get these people out of here or we need to make sure that whatever this is, he's here for a peaceful reason. Have you been to town? Well, I've been staying on the outsides a bit, but I need to meet you and I need to get a few supplies, so hmm. I have kept my head down. Well, we can cross off werewolves, we can cross off to K-Lings. K-Lings don't hang around to this weather. No. Now I was waiting on a little bit of research for some of the prints and things. Problem is, they're traveling fast. Now, I'm a fast traveler myself, but I couldn't keep up with them. You know, I was always a few steps behind. At one point, no more than maybe two or three hours, but well, I got a bit waylaid. These things seem to be moving night and day. 
I mean, I can't move night and day. So whatever they're doing, they're doing in a hurry. Well, I suppose it could be uh, a prey animal that's been spooked by something else. Ooh, or... No, no. See, foot patterns tell you quite a lot. The claw marks on this thing, that ain't... Oh. No, yeah. Um, right. Look... I begin to see your concern. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, you young ones aren't really trained in tracking and... I mean, no, I mean not, it's not like we have a division. It's kind of same for me and two others. Anyway, yeah. my point being, my job is to keep track of known entities and it's usually for research purposes. So when I saw this called in, they told me to follow. I followed. Now we're here and I don't know fully what we're dealing with. Now I've got suspicions and I can probably narrow it down to a handful of things, but that's where it comes into staking out. I first had to figure out where they were going, and that's here. Or at least, general area. All right, well, All right. the plane's clear then. We move into town. He he's, like, directs his eyes over towards Pachnauster. We move into town. We need to work out exactly what's going on. We need to warn people. We need to, to the best of our ability, we're dealing with about 100 people. The town's pretty small. Do you have a cover worked out? Like, do you have a... A reason for a bunch of random people to show up with SUVs, or Heath turns to Alistair, smiles. A wolf pack. You reckon we're gonna make that work? Oh, we have the guns. We can make them listen. All right. I'm joking. We only do that if it gets desperate. No, I. I mean, yeah, that too, but. Look, I've, um, I don't know. I, I I don't know if we're going to be able to convince a whole town to evacuate based on wolves. Yeah. Um. Look, I've been scouting around the town. It's pretty exposed, but I'm pretty sure that we can pin down exactly where these things are congregating if they're congregating. It could okay, no, that's no, good. look, I don't I don't I don't want to alarm people prematurely. It could be that whatever is going on here is peaceful reasons. It could be that some kind of normal migratory pattern's being disturbed and they're figuring out something new. It doesn't have to be sinister, but we need to know and we need to know soon. Don't so know. predators don't even if their migration's been blown off, predators hunt. I know, I know. But point being we need to pin these things down pretty fast. We do. We'll go right. into the uh, the original plan. We go in. We secure the area. Our main purpose here is to protect the civilians. Yeah. And we go from there. Right. Uh, Heath, do you do you want us working on an evacuation plan immediately, or should we secure the town first and then hold evacuation as a backup? To avoid panic, because well, the last thing yeah. we want is a bunch of panicked civilians running That's around true. everywhere. If we can secure the place strongly enough, then we won't bother. But if we sure. can't, then we have to evacuate. Your food's been delivered by now, by the way. The natural... Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, Investigate the natural defence... Thanks. Investigate the natural defences of the town first. 
then... People will probably start to get a little confused if we start felling trees and building walls. Yeah, I guess we assess what we can do with what's here. I suggest not fording... um, Well, if we're dealing with something like anthropy family, and that's what I think it is, Hmm. we're better off picking one building and bunkering down. Those things are going to scale walls. Hmm. Town hall, church is always good. Well, that'll be the last ditch effort. I don't want to give up that much ground. Anything that's stone. Well, the other thing too is if we are dealing with a pack, yeah, we can't face them head on. So maybe scattering our forces around the town and taking them. Anyway, that we're probably getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I, I guess need we to see the town. Get to work. All right. Uh, Darnell finishes wolfing down the rest of his food uh, and starts edging out the seat. He pushes Heath out in front of him. Uh, and you two start heading for the door. Puck goes to follow as they are heading out the door. Alistair, you are trying to uh, get as many of the wedges into your mouth as you can. As you- I think, no, I think I would have gone to the counter to ask for like a takeaway cardboard cup. Like, hey, hey, excuse me, uh, do you have a just one like second cardboard? As you are standing there, uh, Alistair, make a quick perception check for me. Okay. Oh, <laughs> that's a twelve. All right, you are. This is how it happens. You are, like, leaning nonchalantly on the counter. You're waiting for uh, the nice lady behind the counter to give you a takeaway box. And then something prickles, like, at the back of your neck, some spider sense from your training. And you just sort of whip your head to the left, staring down the end of the bar to the other end of the restaurant, making direct eye contact with Ernest Marsh. It's like a whip-crack... Clint Eastwood-esque sort zoom of in. zoom into the eyes as perfect eye contact. Alistair stares and then I feel like we're going to, this whole, like half this conversation is just going to be like mouthing words. <laughs> like he just looks, because he's on the other side of the room. He's like, Ernest? Ernest slowly starts to raise the newspaper that he was reading <laughs> up over his face. And he's like, you can still see over the top of it at you. Uh, while while he is doing that, Alistair, your vision just sort of drifts to Randy next to him, <laughs> attacking a massive stack of pancakes. What? It's just very confused. And then down the table a little bit to Sherman, who is buried in a very large coffee cup and smoking. Oh, come on! <laughs> you brought him? <laughs> but, like, all just in his face. Sherman, Sherman like, looks around because where you make, like a gesture with your head and your shoulders when you see him and he looks like, like oh like does the, the the upward thrust of the chin sup <laughs> Alistair rolls his eyes places the bowl of wedges down mildly forcefully on the counter and then storms over to your corner Ernest <laughs> Ernest folds the newspaper up and looks up at you Alistair just slides himself into the booth what are you doing here hey Buddy, hey, and you brought Randy as and and Sh- hey, yeah, the, hey, these are my Sharon. bros. Hey. hey, yeah, why are you here? Yeah, I see you stalking why? us. Yeah, you stalking us, Alistair. Are you stalking me? You're stalking me. No, you're you're stalking. I left first. You were in England. Yeah, well, this is kind of England. That's it's very not. colonial of you. Closer than where you live. 
that's true. Sorry. No, I'm not so. I, well, look. What, what on earth possessed you to come to Godforsaken Town like this, Ernest? What possessed what you, you to come to this town? I'm working. I heard there was great pancakes. I mean, I'm not working. Uh, Rain, no, no, Rainy's no, stuck I... into the pancakes. Yeah, great pancakes, guys. No. <laughs> I wanted to. Um, I needed some time away from work, I guess. Yeah, and you were seeing some friends of yourself. Why Why do you have so yeah. many friends? And this is like peering out the window of like all the SWAT guys. Sherman. Alistair picks up the uh, the newspaper and holds it against the window. Sherman like friends, like leans no, around with his coffee and goes, mm, I highly doubt those are all friends. No, I'm here on my own. I uh, I don't know. They they came in with you. That's like a it's a tourist group. They're they're really into like uniforms. Mm, I guess. I see. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. I'll, um, and why Sherman's just going to roll a quick perception check to see if he can tell how badly you're lying. Ten. He's pretty sure you're full of bullshit. Ernest like leans back and crosses his arms. Like, did you get fired from Tia? Is that? Did you not tell me <laughs> you were you coming to ISIS? this side of the world? <laughs> Did you come all the way out here without telling me? Well, I mean, it's only like, it's a road trip, man. Like, it's not that far of a distance. I mean, I thought you were busy on your own thing from the stories you've told me. It's like, it's the other side of the world. I mean, we did take a boat and then another boat and then a train. And then a bus. Thank you, Sherman. Yes, thank you. Thank Yes. Look, I'm happy to not be in the archipelago. That's all I'm saying. Listen, okay, Alistair. I'll level with you. This is a Watchman adventure of sorts, I suppose. A, a Are we Watchmen... really calling it an adventure? Please a just Watchmen call it a case or a job. Case. Yeah, there, there we go. Randy, it's... try and chew. Please. It's <laughs> just like bits of pancake <laughs> landing on us as we're talking. He's chugging it down this like is, a pelican. This is the good stuff. Oh, my goodness. Just, Alistair, Alistair, I understand why you followed us. It was the pancakes, wasn't it? Oh, it's pretty good. And then he goes back to eating. <laughs> we're on a case. That's why we're out here. It's business. It's business yeah, hours. I bet you are. What was that? I mean, I'm, I'm actually telling you the truth for once. No, no, I mean, yes, of course you are. Like, why else would you come to the other side of the world? But what brings you here, Alistair Stern? Oh, uh, you know, with a skinhead. Just like Randy said. Some old guy of graying hair. And a, is that like a, a apocalypse prepper? Uh, <laughs> Alistair's starting to hey, get don't up. Don't mock preppers. Now. It's very Alistair's important. starting to get up now, and he um, he's like, "Oh well, you know, like Randy said, we uh, we came for the pancakes." Uh, and then he like knocks on the table next to Ernest and looks at you. You can tell he's he's kind of been playing things up up to this point. And he kind of looks at you and he's like, "You be careful." You too, because. If we're both here for the same thing, yeah. then this this town's no joke. Yeah. Bang. And he pulls down the newspaper. I mean, this coffee's a joke, but that's okay. At least you've got backup. I've got my boys, but yeah. And Davo. Davo's Don't here. Don't call me that. Davo's here? Yeah, Davo's in, in the van. 
He we just well, he couldn't come get him to tickets? leave. No, he, he loves the van. He just. I loves think the he van. has a fear of open spaces. He doesn't Maybe like to leave. He loved the train carriage. At this point, Alistair's realizing that Heath and Puck are now walking back towards. Puck the is thing. making obscene gestures through the very large plate glass window. Just at you, making eye contact. <laughs> Alistair holds the newspaper up again. She starts banging so, on the now- glass, and the lady behind the counter starts yelling at her. <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, Alistair looks back at the the, the lady. Like, Sorry, my friends are very intense. Yes, I can see. Um, Ernest um, yeah. taps on the table as well and looks up at you and says, "Go get him." You know it. He walks over, gets his wedges, salutes to the people in the corner, uh, <laughs> deliberately avoids eye contact with Puck as she's, like, walking in parallel along <laughs> the windows on the outside. <laughs> and he, like, walks out. She goes to, like, cut him off, and he walks past her in front of her, walks back towards the vans. Are you Mr. Social now, making friends with strangers? Apparently. That's weird. Yeah. I'm just I'm just that kind of guy. As we return to the diner and to the watchman table, uh, Sherman takes a puff on his cigarette and leans back in the booth. <coughs> that was very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> that was incredibly awkward. Okay. <laughs> you, have, you have to smoke. <laughs> you have to do that. <laughs> Randy, 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 if rumour is to be believed, you punched a shark in the gills and then ate it. I don't like cigarette smoke and also don't believe it. I don't believe anything I hear about you. Did you hear that story about the fact that apparently you beat up a coffee machine in the hospital? That's purely speculation. I don't like the smell. I don't like it. All right, fine. He puts it out in. He puts it out in Randy's plate. Hey, I, I swear to God, Sherman, that was my pancake batter that you've messed up. Uh, he he picks up the newspaper and starts wafting the smoke away. Let from me just himself. make a very quick roll. All right, natural twelve. The food is fantastic. Oh, yes. coffee's not amazing, but the food's pretty good. This is like, like Sherman, yeah. you have ruined the best pancakes Randy has ever eaten in his life. Randy, you're doing the They're third person waffles. again. Again. Yep. It came back. All right, boss man, if that's what we're calling it you. Um, yep. Uh, what's the briefing? Yeah, what are we... <laughs> Randy, Randy places the... So he was using the newspaper to waft the smoke away. He then, like, places it down on the table and, like... Puts his fist on the table as those to be like, all right, here's the plan. But he didn't realize that he put it straight in his pancakes. <laughs> so now he's, he's just got soggy newspaper and pancake bits. <laughs> and he's like, ah. Randy, Great. please behave yourself. Okay, so uh, plan is then uh, firstly, we got to change the emergency call for the radios. Why? Yeah, we know how I told you that, you know... Okay, so because we're dealing with a dangerous situation, we have to radio in every 20 minutes to tell each other, hey, I'm still alive. And if you don't, yep. then a emergency signal was sent to a specific number. Yeah? Yep. Well, that number was yep. Alistair's. Yep. Oh. So, you know, you know, him back and at he's... the... You could, like, call him back up, but the thing is, he's here. So yeah. that's kind of... Alistair, 
that's not in London anymore. Yeah, so he can't, you know, cause... I guess he's already here. Yeah, I have to say it seems like a dumb plan to begin with because if he's going to send help from London, we'll be dead and eaten by the time oh, they get what, here. What am I going to put in? The, yeah, the local uh, I, constables? I, I don't know. Probably. Uh, I completely entirely respect your, your judgment. I respect your leadership. However, if Alistair and his backup are here, perhaps we should leave the emergency code as it is. That's a good plan. I like this I like this this forward thinking. And, unless you want an auxiliary, you know, somebody outside the situation to do that. Oh maybe. we could we could say to your aunt. I mean she was quite nice. Oh gosh no. What's she gonna <laughs> do? What's she gonna do? Bake the monsters a cake. Didn't you say uh, that your aunt was like Oh, what did you say? It was like Yeah, she killed seventeen people with a cake once. It was very impressive. Anyway, that's beside the point. Alright. What a drug deal. Anyway. And none of them ate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so Ernest is going to look out the window. Has the tier group, like, disappeared yet? Uh, they've begun to disperse. They're actually checked into the hotel, uh, the ah, surveyor's great. lodge. Like, okay, um, well, let's let's go now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're leaving, so let's just go now. Ernst stands up, looks at the two of them as they they almost seem like they're about to get into another fight and walks out of the diner paying for the pancakes and all that as he goes and pushes open the door and starts to walk past they, all the they were tier very stuff. Good. Very good pancakes. Okay, well, you two, you've, I've explained a fair bit of it as we've gone, but um, we're making our way to a, a log cabin. It's kind of like a, a hunter's cabin. It's on the outskirts of the town. Our informant's hanging around there. He'll kind of break everything down to you two, but just know that we're, we're dealing with some dangerous stuff here. A real proper monster hunt. All right, that's what Randy likes to hear. Uh, do we have any idea of the scale of the problem we're dealing with, or is that what your friend is going to fill us in with? No, not really. We could be dealing with one. We could be dealing with a billion. I don't know. He was freaked down the phone, but... Being through the stuff he's been through, he could be freaked out over his shadow for as much as I know, but <laughs> I presume it's... Yeah, it sounds bad. like a guy that needs backup. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and as Ernest walks around like the tier stuff, looking at them, unpacking all their billions of bags and stuff like that, Ernest's car is revealed, or like the, the Watchman car, which is a bright yellow combi. Sunshine, my sunshine. There you are. <laughs> sunshine written on the side. Sunshine, I only sunshine. You make me happy when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Tapping along to the strange rhythms in his head. Um, I suppose <laughs> now would probably be a fine time to describe what everyone's wearing. Yeah, sure. So Ernest is wearing his large, uh, bright yellow coat with the, the hood and all that, but he's taken off all the, the blue as now wearing all black beneath that. It's quite woolen, thick clothing because it's so cold. Uh, he is wearing some large black boots that go quite high up. Uh, no laces or anything like that. Uh, watches, all that type of stuff. And his jack jacket is kind of packed with a few different things. He pulls it off and chucks it onto one of the kind of set-out beds that is inside the, the um, combi van and sits down on it. 
Uh, what is Randy wearing? You can go as far as you want, but all the only thing for the Watchmen is they have to have one item of yellow. Like, that's their symbol. Yeah, okay. Um, so Randy... <laughs> Randy is wearing what is very clearly um, a firefighter's outfit. <laughs> like, just straight up, just like the pants and jacket of a firefighter. Um, as in... He's the got blue. No, like you know, like that thick jacket material. Um, but instead of like you know, like the khaki ones with the metallic, like the um, shiny stripes. Yeah, the reflective stuff. Yeah, 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 it's it's that. But he's painted it black, <laughs> like with fabric, <laughs> with fabric paint, so that he could you know like blend in at night and also match the others. Um, and then he's ripped off all of the reflective stuff because, like, that's not a good idea in a this kind of situation and has sewn on yellow um, fabric as the stripes. So he's basically just a fireman wearing a non-reflective black and yellow fire suit, uh, but no helmet, and then he's got his trademark sunglasses on. <laughs> and what's Sherman wearing, Aubrey? Um, Sherman... Looks like anyone in this town, basically. Hmm. Sherman seems to only shave maybe once a week, so he permanently has some degree of stubble that makes him look older and sadder than he really is. Uh, but he's wearing very sturdy lace-up hiking boots that come up above the ankle. Uh, his pants are tucked into them. He's wearing kind of uh, dark, heavy jeans. And over the top, he's wearing... I suppose it would be a very light... Uh, patterned camo parker uh, with hood and all. Very much a hunter's staple. Uh, a heavy belt and underneath he'd be wearing some like a plaid shirt and yeah. a woolen jumper. I reckon Randy probably has like two black stripes of war paint on his <laughs> cheeks as well. And uh, Devo <laughs> is wearing boxers, Ugg boots and like a singlet. <laughs> and it's just sitting like leaning in the back. And a long cardigan. <laughs> like, long cardigan. Yeah. And like knee high socks as well as the oak boots. Just staying warm. The left one is yellow, so he matches. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, in terms of the yellow. So, what is. I guess so, Randy's is partly yellow, right? Yeah. Uh, Sherman would have a bright yellow um, button, like a pin button um, on the front of his jacket that would say something like the. National Hunters Association or something. Yeah. It's a bright yellow pin just on the lapel. Ernest has given them all like hand stitched by him yellow badges that has like a little lantern on it. Uh, it's up to you guys if any of them have put them yeah. on. Dagon's like, uh, Davo's like stuck it to the back of his laptop like it's a sticker. Oh, nice. Sherman's is uh, on yeah, his Randy shoulder. Yeah, Randy's sewn his as a patch on his back. Okay, cool. And yeah, Ernest is like on the inside of his jacket so he can like pull it out and show it. Well, like his whole jacket's yellow anyway, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Team Watchman. Team Wormwood and Team Watchman. There you go. Yeah. Team Watchman Who will win? pile into the oh. combi uh, and they start chugging their way up the hill. The engine needs a little bit of coaxing to get it quite up the hill. You're heading. Uh, Randy just has to consistently on, talk at it for the car to go. Yes. Sunny, sunny. Like Come everyone on, sunny. is just like oh, everyone yeah. just wears headphones the rest of the time, like listening to other stuff, because he has to constantly talk to the car <laughs> yeah, to work. Yes, so um, if it doesn't, it just doesn't work. 
Hey there listeners, Aubrey here, just interrupting the episode briefly to bring you something a little bit exciting. We have partnered with another podcast called The Lucky Die. They are a fantastic Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast, quite similar to what we do here, but in a more traditional fantasy style setting. They run an incredible campaign that I've been following for some time now, and we wanted to share a trailer of theirs with you. They have been kind enough to share our trailer on their channel to help us find some new listeners, so we're doing them the same favor. So check it out. You see, looking up from the ground, blood red clouds boiling across the sky. You did ask me to bring the thunder. Agent! <laughs> Agent, help! I've got the chalice, please! Well, if they're following you, then I guess that takes care of a loose end for me. (laughs) All of you feel the earth beneath you shake and crack and break. I feel that I have failed both of you, and I am sorry for that. This has nothing to do with you being a bad leader. Do you want a countdown? Oh, I think I want a countdown. I want to help. I always had good intentions. I do not deserve to die. Now. The Lucky Die Podcast is a weekly 5e Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Join our adventure every Monday wherever you download podcasts by searching for The Lucky Die. way that this mountain is shaped the town itself is built into a plateau before the mountain continues to rise and up to the point where the dam is built damming up a mountain river you are heading up in that same direction towards the dam and it's about five minutes out of town ten minutes out of town along these well constructed but poorly maintained roads is the way I would put it Uh, You pull off the road into a little dirt track heading a little bit deeper into the woods and you come to a shuddering stop outside of a old A-frame cabin uh, that's looking out across the valley. Ernest throws open the door and hops out. He's like, okay guys, grab your stuff. I'll go um, just make sure this is the right place. Devo, you- What'd you say his name was again? Was it Terrence? Anthony. Andy? Yeah. Erst. Right. I went around that. the car and walks up as they start to unload their equipment and is going to go up to the door and knock. The the cabin is pretty typical for its its construction, which would have been in the 70s. It's the kind of A-frame that's basically like the entire cabin is a giant triangle hmm. um, with a porch at the front and a timber railing it's built all out of pine trees, logged on the site, um, with like a screen door, a big glass window at the front, and this sort of thing. As you begin to knock on the door, you hear footsteps uh, rounding the corner, and Anthony appears. He is pretty small. He's a similar build and size to you, but he is thinner. Uh, there's a certain thinness around his his wrists and his neck 
that sort of belies malnourishment. But for all that, he moves with a sprightly step. He has uh, quite fair hair and a sort of uh, olive tan to the skin. His eyes are very uh, pale gray. And as he comes around the corner, he's holding an armful of firewood and an axe in the other hand. Hmm. Ernest, it's uh, good to see you. Um, Wow, (laughs) you look different. You are not taller. I thought you would be taller. Um, (laughs) Sorry, he he puts down the firewood um, and goes to shake your hand. Ernest, like takes his hand and then pulls him like does like the pull into like a half hug where like you like the bro tap, thing the, the bro thing and pats him on the back and like squeezes him it's like hey been a while yeah well uh i guess life took us in uh, pretty different directions but uh well it's it's wow i wish i wish it was under better circumstances hey yeah but i mean our luck. Yeah, I'm guessing these are your, your friends. Yep, that's... Randy's waving very enthusiastically with a massive smile on his that's face. That's Randy. That's uh, Sherman. And you can kind of see him through one of the windows. That's Javo. Yeah, good. Well, um, get yourself get uh, come inside. I've just been getting the fire going. and Yeah, well, it's, um... let's get this sorted, I guess. Let's do that. Mm, okay. Uh, we cut to about maybe maybe a half hour later. You've pulled your bags inside. You're pretty. You've packed pretty lightly considering uh, everything. Most of the space in the van has been taken up with the equipment that you've brought. Some of which you've left in the van. Some of which you've brought inside. Uh, this A-frame house kind of has a living kitchen, dining, everything room at the bottom with a bathroom and then a staircase and sort of two shared bunk rooms above in the very top of the A. You are assembled in front of a small combustion stove in the living room that uh, Anthony's been feeding. He's supplied you all with hot drinks uh, as everyone's began to sat down. So Anthony, what have you, uh, what have you been doing? Well, um... No, I mean, call me Ant. That's what everyone calls me. That's fine. Um, well, uh, long list of things, I guess, since we've been in proper contact last. I'm just in my my uh, last year at Bible school. So uh, after that, I'll be, I guess, looking for a church. Yeah. Do they even have a church in this town? Uh, they they do. I saw school? one. Sorry? Do they have a Bible school? Not in this. No, he doesn't live in the town, Chester. This isn't your house? Uh, no. Oh. No, this isn't my house. I thought you were like a recluse. I mean, all right, fair point. We didn't really... Um, we didn't talk. Catch up phone. a lot. Whose house is this? It's just for rent. It's very cheap. Ah, it's for rent. Well, I yeah, mean, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, seasonal hunting stuff. There isn't a whole lot in this kind of seasonal winter. Mm. Not in this area. Ah, true. No, okay, well, I guess i got a bit of explaining to do. Look, um, 
It's fine. I suppose, well, I mean, Ernest would have filled you guys in, and I guess if you're, you're here, you're fellow believers in the weird. I filled them in that on was the bad. level Rainy of danger church. here. Oh. Yeah, not, no, yeah. we're not talking about church stuff. I meant just... They don't know yep. about exactly what we're going up uh, against. Well, I got, I got kicked out for communion when I was eight. And anyway, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't talk about myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, we believe in weird stuff. Absolutely. Good, good. Um, he, he draws a little stool up pretty close to the fire and he's warming his hands while he's talking to you. All right, well, I guess I'll give you the, the quick breakdown. Um, when we were kids, Ernest and I were in the same scout troop. Um, and, well, uh, we were attacked on a camp. Um, we were the only two to make it out alive. Um, we were attacked by what I'm now pretty sure were, I mean, it's hard to separate folklore and myth from reality. It's hard to know where one begins and the other ends. And the term I've been using is Wendigo. And by the sounds of it, that's what Ernest knows them as too. It seems like the closest thing to what we uh, experienced. Um, I've, I've, spent a lot of my life trying to convince myself that what happened on that trip wasn't real or wasn't really what happened well uh, that's not true I know what happened and I can't keep running from that that's my own battle you don't need to know about that anyway I realised that it was happening again I keep ahead of the news I try to you know keep my finger on what's going on and I kept picking up little traces Uh, news stories blog posts missing persons attacks they always say that it's a dog or a a camp counsellor there's always an excuse that's an oddly specific excuse example well Ernest is has every reason to hold that against them Point being, the trails have been leading in this direction. Now, Mm. don't get me wrong, I am very, very scared of those things. And it's not without good reason, but I am here to try and make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I called the only people that I knew would believe me. It takes a lot of courage to go through something like that and not want to run at the first sign of trouble uh, as far as humanly possible. So, um, you're all right in Randy's book. And he gives him a little tap on the shoulder. Well, um, Thank you. We're here to help you. Right. Um, look, it's going to, and in a world of nutty stuff, this is probably going to sound a bit nutty. Uh, I have a bit of a sense for things I honestly don't know if it's all things or just these things but it f- I I just have a feeling hmm. and the feeling was this town and the feeling was it was immediate 
when I called you, I was in the, the, the middle of that swamp in my own head and I knew I had to do something and I knew I had to talk to someone and I knew I had to get here. So I called you and I found a place and I shipped out. So I don't have a huge plan. I just know that this is the place to be and I know that we've got to... Well, look, this is going to sound dumb. It's probably going to sound insane, and especially to you, Ernest, but those things that attacked us were human once. They had to have been human once, and whatever's happened to them or is happening to them, I don't know how it works. I don't know what even they are, but if there's any... If there's any chance that they are still real people in there, that they are, that they need help, that they are hurting, that none of this is their choice or what they want or what they chose, then we gotta we gotta protect them as much as we gotta protect people from them. And I know that's a lot, and I know that's probably probably too much right now, but I just want to know what's happening. And I gotta do something. Ernest is gonna stand up and go towards the fire and hold his hands out to it, looking into the fire as it rolls and boils and moves. I looked one of them in the face and I can't say I saw anything human there, but he turns to Anthony. I'm a different man. So, how about we go with the unconventional view of them? Thanks, Ernest. Okay, so step one, and he kind of crosses his hands behind his back and starts to, like, strut around the room. It's like, so we don't know how many we're dealing with. We could be dealing with one. Do we know when we were attacked, we were attacked by a pack? We don't know if we're dealing with a pack. Right? I'm pretty sure that we are. Um, You're sure that we are? Dealing with a pack, yeah. Have you found proof okay. of more than one or, Look, or a group? The the way that I, I, I feel these things, it's... You know when they talk about, like, like that, that animals know when a storm is coming? Like, the dogs can yeah. hear the thunder before we can hear it. It's like that. It's like my body tells me something is coming this way and it's bad. And just like a dog can tell if it's just a rain shower or if it's a hurricane, this is like a hurricane. And that's the best I got to go off yep. and I can only assume. And look, I've been tracking them here. He... he um, goes to his bag and he pulls out uh, a folder and he starts rummaging through it, picking out news clippings and printouts of uh, online articles and these things. Every time I would come across one of these articles, read one of these articles, I'd get that, that, that twinge in the back of my head that said, there is something more to that that meets the eye and there is something in a storm brewing and there's just... There's got to be a hundred here over the last three months. And they've moved from down south up here. 
like I, I've, I've mapped it out. There's a move and there's a time frame. And the more that they've moved and the more time has gone on, the more extensive the reports have been and the more often they come in, which to me, like, look, I, this is not my field of anything, but to me, everything's telling me that this is big and that that probably means that there's definitely more than one. Randy kind of holds his hand out over the clippings to kind of show that, okay, you've given me enough proof. He's like, well, forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, uh, but in these sort of situations, you know, having precise intel is often the difference between a success and a failure, but, and he looks up trying to kind of reassure him. He's like, I understand that sometimes... A feeling is the closest you can get to proof. So, yeah. And then he nods. Thanks. <laughs> he's like kind of got to the end of what he hmm. thinks he's trying to communicate. Ernest walks into the group again and holds up three fingers. So, okay, that means we need to do three things here. First, what do you do with a storm? You need a bunker. Randy, Sherman, after we're done with this conversation, I want you to secure this place. I want... Just the building? Just the building. That's We need at least one bunker. That's This area's within our control. We bunker this place down. Right. Second. Uh, Davo, I want you to put a satellite or form some type of connection, get on the roof, out of the way where it can be tampered with. I want you to be able to connect with any type of channel that you can radio all that type of stuff so we can send out calls for help if we need to anything like that can do we need intel we need detail we need that type of information and he's kind of turns towards facing the door so. lucky for us we have a group in town that's all about the details been a few hours now the sun has got very low but the cloud cover is still so thick and at this time of year in this part of the world the light fades quite early we find Heath and Alistair standing on a rock outcropping amid the grey and ailing pines uh, you are not far from the outskirts of town itself maybe a 10 minutes walk from the road and you are looking out over the one road into town as it winds down back into the valley and out towards the highway. Okay, well, this is obviously a pretty important landmark for us to think about defending because we've got to get the townspeople out somehow if we choose to evacuate. Uh, and then he pulls out a map that he's been kind of scribbling on for the last couple of hours. So I think from... What I can guess, these are going to be the most defensible locations in terms of if we end up in a last stand situation. These are areas that we can probably block off fairly easily, uh, but these are some of the areas where we might end up having a bit of trouble. Um, 
but we do have a couple of natural bottlenecks as well. But the main issue is just keeping the road open, I guess. Mm. Uh, find me a list of the the oldest buildings in town. Those will be of the, the strongest structures, most likely stone walls, all that type of stuff. That will be more useful than anything modern. And basements right. as well. Basements will be necessary and possibly... That's true. I didn't think to check things, that. Yes. I, I don't know how I would find that out without knocking on people's doors. Um, I don't know if I want to... Library in a town this old oh. will have floor plans for most public buildings, anything like that. And probably it has a basement as mm -hmm. well. Okay, I'll do that in the morning. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned with the road boil. They're predators, but they're... They're coming here for a purpose. So, as long as there's enough people in the town, i.e. us, I think they'll be pretty satisfied with us. Yes, we'll have to protect people as they leave, but I think our main concern will be the fact that people aren't leaving yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm more just worried that if these creatures... I, uh, I don't know, they're probably... I'm just operating on a worst-case scenario that they're intelligent, in which case maybe they figure out if they block the road they can... because there's no other roads out. But That's definitely definitely possibility, yeah. but... Hmm. Okay, so... Do you, are we going to move ahead with a full evacuation? In which case, what are we going to tell these people? We can't. We don't have the jurisdiction, we don't have the power, we don't have the means to operate that yet. We have to lock down. Yeah. And even if people don't know they're being locked down, locking down the city is the best thing we can do. And that means, for the start, we'll be spread pretty thin. But that's all we can yeah. do. We don't have the power, we don't have the jurisdiction to move people along. We could start a bushfire and get people to evacuate like that. But then there's other questions about that. We're already on thin ice as it is. That's a, that's a worst-case scenario, but it'd probably be effective. It would be. Probably flush the things out, too. That mm, that's very true. You take, take note of that. I'm, I'm liking that one a bit more now. All right, I might put it at the bottom of the page. Right with, bottom of the page. If it's all right with you, I might have a have a look at some of the topography in terms of wind directions and stuff. Figure that out because mm, yep. we don't also don't want it running rogue. Heath continues walking up the road and listening to your plans. Like yes, yes, boy. Oh, that's well. The plans laid out for now. Everyone's positioning out now. Hopefully we can keep everything cool and calm and quiet. We haven't had any... I, I guess we just hold this position until we get some more intel and then maybe we can pull people around and... Oh, sorry, you should take that. That's all we can do for now. Yeah, he pulls up his, his radio. Morningstar here. Uh, Morningstar, this is Unit 1. Unit 1 is spread out well on the east side of town. I've got a... Uh, I think I can see about 200 metres up and down. Section's clear. you all got your kit, everything? Yep, should be good for the night. All right, switching over. He's going to click on it. Team two. Team two here. Uh, all's clear so far, getting nicely set up. Uh, we've got a bit of an obstruction. Some of the trees here are getting a bit thick. I don't have a full view, but I can see I'd say about 80%. Any problems with uh, locals? Uh, a few questions, but nothing we couldn't fob off yet. Yeah, all right. Team three. Uh, team three, yeah. We've got ourselves set up on the side of the road down here. We've got a pretty good look up and down at what's coming in and out, but uh, so far all's clear. All right. He's going to click it one more time. Woodruff, Heath here. Yep, hello. Where are you? I haven't seen you in ages. Making a circuit. Hard to tell exactly, but 
given the slope of the land, I reckon they're likely to come up through the pass following what's the old river causeway. I'm not going to take the road, I don't think. So you're probably expecting trouble from the north, northeast, not the south. Heath, you should shift Team 3 over just a little bit to cover that angle better. Hmm. I'll head over to Team 3. I'll, okay. I'll move into that area myself. Alistair, call in Puck. Tell her to meet me with Team 3. Yep, all right. Uh, Heath is going to storm off into the into the, the bush of the ever darkening area. Once again, getting more signals on his radio. Yep, yep Heath here. You see a strange sight, one perhaps that you hoped you would never see. Um, it is Puck Welsh with her arms spread out in front of her, trying to contain both Ernest and Randy at the same time. And she's saying, nope. Uh, gentlemen, please, no. you need to step back. No, no. This is pa- official Puck, business. Puck, explain to me Alistair, what land surveillance has Puck, to do no, with why I can't down, go on listen. a bushwalk. Because we are surveying that piece of land. Now step up. Puck, it's all back. right. It's all right. I, you, the listen. shifty one, you step back. Uh, I, I, don't you get frosty with me. You, you get frosty with me. I don't call me sunshine. I'm sorry, it's a catchphrase. Puck, just Who has let me handle ca- this, will you? Alistair, he- I'm handling this. This is my job. Listen, he calls himself in, like, the third person. Don't be mean to Randy. Alistair grabs her arm and, like, pulls her in. He's like, you're handling my friends from the archipelago. These are... This is Alistair. Ernest. Alistair, can I have this a... The- can I... I don't... Hold yes, on. I would love to have a word. Yes. I'm sorry I didn't believe you. I owe Heath money. You what? No, I just... I, I just assumed you were kind of exaggerating. Exaggerating I mean, what? Well, um, look, you, you catch up with your friends. I'm gonna... Uh, good things to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lovely to meet what? you both, uh, by the way. Any friend of Alistair's is a vague acquaintance of mine. Um, yeah, stay out of my way. Cool, go survey that land. Yep. <laughs> That's going to turn to Alistair. So you're into surveying land now? Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Your career changes yeah, on the well, daily. No, 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 it's not a change. It's a... It's a... Uh, it's a sideline, you know? It's a, it's a side hustle. It's a... Part-time job. Ernest is going to pat Randy on the back. He's like, probably go and help Sherman. And Randy, like, picks up a big pile of, like, planks of wood that he clearly threw on the ground to have an argument with Puck. (laughs) And now picked them back up and, like, heads along the walk. Uh, Yeah, you got it. Oh, Randy's going to... I nearly tripped over. (laughs) Saved it. (laughs) Hey. Wow, he's... Hey. I wasn't expecting to see you guys. This quickly, I was I was actually coming out to try and find some of Tia. Yeah. Oh, so you figured it out. <laughs> it was me all along. Yeah. Hey, look, um, we have a very flimsy cover that I don't think anyone's going to believe, but I would appreciate it if you maybe tried to spread it a little bit, because spread among really who? Want... The townsfolk. Yeah, the townspeople. Oh, well, Ernest kind of turns around and looks out across what of the town we can see from this kind of heightened up point. It's like, 
Well, if you don't move them out, I don't know how much of the town there's going to be if we can't work our way to. I know. Out here. I know, but uh, unfortunately, we don't. Because we're operating, or I'm operating under tier, I don't. We we don't really have the authority to evacuate a town without cause. So at the moment, we're trying to evaluate how we can protect them until a time where we can get them out. Yeah, but Wait, we so, don't really know what we're dealing with. So, so. you're telling... Is... Because I counted, like, what? Is it, like, 20 of you? 30 of you? Something like that? Um, there's, there's 15, including us three. So... You're going to... What's the plan? You're, you're protect... 15 people just walking around this town? Is that the plan for you now? You have three people, and one of them is Randy. And it's like holds out. a finger out. It's like... Alistair, if they're... We are currently bunkering down. Your guys are out in the night. Do you... Wait. Do, are we both on the same page about what we're dealing with here? Yeah, we're, we're dealing with some kind of pack animal. Hmm. Okay, because I, I was coming to you to try and get some, like, to work with you guys, because I've got some details, but I don't have enough details, so I was coming to you guys to see what details you have. Clearly, you don't have well, we don't have much. many details. You guys are dealing with Wendigos. Wendigos? They will pick off every single one of you if you are not in a group. Wait, as in the things that... Mm Mm-hmm, yep. That's the reason why I'm here. When... Right. You need to talk to your boss. You need to call everyone in. Because scattered like that, you aren't... For them, you aren't coming here to defend the town. You've just added a new dish to the smorgasbord. As far as they're concerned, meat's back on the menu. Uh, boys? Uh, Randy, I'm talking. Randy, just hold on a second. I know. Uh, I, I'm not usually one to interrupt, but... Uh, oh, oh, okay. Be quiet. What? Randy, I can't hear... <laughs> just runs <laughs> up. running over. <laughs> That's the sound of Randy running up. <laughs> Listen... We need to get inside. Alistair, call your guys in. Now. Heath, Heath. Heath, come in, Heath. We need we we need to move. Heath. Massive thank you to our newest Patreon supporter, Julita. Remember to check out the Dark Tides Patreon at patreon.com slash darktides to get a heap of access to different post shows, extra shows, bonus shows, and other content, and a Discord group. Also remember to check out The Lucky Die wherever you find your podcasts.